We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is a Locker Room production. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to those of you just arriving to our normal Saturday locker room. Um, a uh, quick public service announcement. Our usual um, co-host with me, Andrew Claudio, is still feeling the effects of his second vaccine shot. So he is not here today. So it's just me running the room solo. But given my proficiency with technology, um, clearly I am going to, you know, get this thing off without a hitch. Um, before I, you know, invite, yeah, you know what? Actually, screw it. I'm just going to go right into it. Um, we have some speaker requests. Last time we got a ton of speaker requests, so I want to make sure we get as many of these as possible. And I'm sure anything that I want to talk about will hit um, in the course of business naturally. So, Kasim. I'm bringing you up to the stage, my man. Guys, you there? Yeah, hear you great. How are you, bud? Hey, can you hear me? Can you? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, perfect. Okay, awesome. How you doing, man? Are you? Uh, did you stay up to watch the whole game? Yep, yep. Watched everything. Uh, I, I, I'm in Central Time, so uh, those East Coast games are a little bit easier. Oh, okay. That's actually, I yeah, I the. Uh, the West Coast games, um, every time they play a West Coast game, I think, like, should I be living in L.A.? And then I think about <laughs> calling up – and then I think about calling up David Futternick and being like, am I missing out by, by uh, you know, not being on the West Coast? Anyway, um, what's, what's on your mind, man? Uh, cool. Well, first off, um, I guess prayers up for Andrew Claudio, right? Um... <laughs> I don't know if it's requiring prayers, but it's, it's – you know, he'll be okay. He'll survive. 
Right, right. Um, I, I, well, hopefully, uh, I will too. I just I got my second one yesterday, so but so far so good. So. Oh wow! Okay. Well, congratulations. Uh, I, I I hope you're. It, it goes better for you than it did for yeah, pretty much everybody yeah. I know. So, anyway, so what's um, up? So so I've been holding this this. I don't know if you don't call it take uh, in for a couple of weeks because I haven't had a chance to join the locker room yet. I think I mentioned on Twitter I had this. Thing that occurred to me regarding Bill Simmons. So uh, I'm going to tell a little bit of a story, if, it, if that's all right. Go for it. Okay. So a um, couple of years back, uh, I live in Houston. So me and my buddy are driving to Dallas to see the Knicks play the Mavericks, which turned out to be a good trip. But on the trip there, I'm playing him the first episode of Bill Simmons' Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast. I think um, I listened to that, and I think I may have listened to one more, and then I got I tired of it pretty quickly. But uh, so yeah, I think fair, I'm totally I'm, fair. That first one is is quite memorable because I know it stuck with me, and that's the reason I wanted to talk about it. Because in this first first episode, he talks about the secret of basketball. Yeah. Um, so I'll get I'll give a quick rundown of what he said for those who aren't aware. But Simmons tells a story about Isaiah Thomas, the Isaiah. In in the late 80s Piston Championships and in the heydays of the Pistons, Isaiah claimed that he had discovered the secret of basketball and that it was this kind of revelation that only certain people knew about. There was some anecdote about him and Bird exchanging like a, a look in the middle of a conversation where they both thought they were about to reveal the secret and stop short. It's it's a great it's a great story, but and it, it's even I I personally think he does a better job of explaining it in the in the book, um, like the, obviously ah. the book that the, the podcast is based. I, if you haven't read the book, I, it's I know he gets it's it has it's like there are some parts of it that haven't aged well, and he in general is, is sure. um, not what maybe he he once was, but it's a no, very he really isn't, but it it's an enjoyable read. Anyway, keep keep going. So um, he says that. You know, he knew about it. Certain people, certain elites in the NBA knew about it. And years and years later, Simmons catches up with Isaiah and he gets him to tell him about the secret. Um, and he said, Isaiah says, the secret of basketball is that it's not about basketball, which, of course, sounds like some uh, BS fortune cookie. Right. But the translation is what he's going after is that the secret of winning basketball is that it's not just about basketball it's not just about the talent on the floor it's not just about how good you or one of your teammates is at dribbling passing or shooting and that it never was now simmons go uh isaiah goes on to tell that this is one of the reasons that the pistons were as good as they were it explains why they traded adrian dantley for mark aguirre even though dantley was much more talented because he was ruining their chemistry um, and that the secret of basketball is at the end of the day about trying to achieve something that rarely happens, which is full, complete team cohesion, chemistry and sacrifice. So everyone is 100 percent locked in on the goal. Um, and that's what those Pistons teams had uh, uh, figured out that, that at their high point, they had no player scoring over 20 points, and on any given night, the opposing teams had no idea who to try and stop because they didn't know who was going to go off. Yeah, um, and, and, and for what it's worth, just our own personal history as a franchise, all you need to look back at is the 
um, late mid to late seventies teams where they exactly. brought in Bob McAdoo and uh, what was it Spencer Haywood? Am I making that up? No, I think it was Spencer Haywood. Um, all the talent in the world, and those teams didn't win shit because of what you're talking about. So yeah, completely agree with this. Now, now Simmons further backs up what Isaiah is saying because he says he ties it back to stuff he found in books from Bill Walton, Bill Russell, Pat Riley, particularly Riley because Riley talked about the disease of more. And in the disease of more, tying it back to the secret is that when championships stumble onto the secret, they almost immediately forget it because they get too <laughs> they get too yeah, wrapped up yeah. in their own individual successes and in their own individual ego. Yeah. Um, so I remember when I heard this, it had a huge effect on me. Um, and now fast forward to uh, however many years later, and basically a couple of weeks ago, we're in the middle of the streak and everything. And I'm realizing, holy crap, this is what it, this is the secret. The Knicks, our Knicks have somehow <laughs> figured out the secret. And, and I'm kind of freaking out. And I'm thinking to myself, how is Bill Simmons going to talk about this? Is he going to, does he dare talk about this while his Celtics are doing so poorly? Um, despite, who, who, so by the way, the course. Celtics are. They are the opposite of having the secret, uh, right? Maybe not the maybe not the peak example of the opposite of the secret in this NBA season, but they're in the top five. They're 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 a good example. They're not the example, but they're definitely a good example. Um, so all this occurred to me, and I was thinking to myself that. So we hear is this awesome statement uh, that captures you know two words that kind of capture the spirit of the team. But I've always felt that there's a better statement that captures this season because not only did the 2020 Knicks figure out the secret, um, and it's apparent in our win-loss record. It's apparent with you see the team chemistry on the bench every night. It's apparent in every quote the player gives, every quote the coach gives. Um, Not only that, if, if that wasn't enough, we have taken the secret and we have given it a new name which is why uh, the Big 15 is one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Because yeah, how, how, how much better can you describe this, this abstract notion of the secret of basketball? Because real, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's about the Big 15, that there's, which is the opposite of the Big 2 or the Big 3, which is anti-secret of basketball. Um, I, yeah, I, so thank you, by the way. For for that's what that. I wanted to talk about. Yeah. No, it's 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 a great. It's a I love the perfect way to open the show because it's a it's a positive. For me, I the again the book of basketball was very meaningful to me, and honestly, probably as big a reason why I write about uh, the Knicks now as anything else. Because again, we don't have to talk about what Simmons has become, but at one point he was an inspiration for for me and a lot of people, and I I really appreciated how deeply he thought about this stuff and i've always i've always spent a lot of time thinking about the points that he that came out through that story and specifically i i've spent the last the last decade thinking about those points more with two players than any other one guy is carmelo anthony mm. and the other guy and the other guy is frank nilakina so <laughs> So you want to talk about two players who literally in the history of the NBA probably could not be more different, right? <laughs> um, 
And one guy is, you know, I don't know, is, is Carmelo Anthony the is he the eighth most talented player of the last 20 years, fifth, 12, what, whatever. He's in terms of j- j- pure scoring ability over the last two. And actually, go beyond that. In, in NBA history, in terms of pure scoring ability, mm-hmm. I mean, whatever. He's in, the, he's in whatever conversation you want to have. He's in the conversation, right? Um, unreal individual talent. And by the way, not always a ball hog. I mean, had no. a lot of quite a few seasons where he was, you know, willing to pass. Um, was it that did, did the team ever other than the one year, though, did they ever reach secret level with him on the team? And I, I think we would we would argue no. Um, no, I, I don't think it's possible when you when you are a player like Carmelo or Kobe, where you know that there is um, no spot in this floor that, yeah, that I you can't, can't yeah, exactly. score, get two points from. It's hard to buy into the secret. But, I, I but can that's, imagine. But that's and and you know for again for anybody for anybody who has additional time to read, um, even though he's persona non grata now, I would strongly recommend. Phil Jackson's um, uh, 11, 10, what was it? 11 rings? Oh my God, I've lost count. 11, 11 rings. rings. Um, because he talks a, a lot about the challenges that he had um, getting Kobe Bryant to, oh, yeah. to, to buy in. Um, his, his books are great. They're not. Well, the books are fantastic. Writing, yeah. But they're great insight. Um, well, he doesn't, because he doesn't hold back. And he's very, anyway. We don't oh, have to absolutely. talk about Phil Jackson. So, and then Frank. So Frank, for me, when he came along, especially given the basketball that he we had watched the previous several years, and in particular, even going uh, or going back further than that, the, the team, the Isaiah Thomas, ironically enough, the Isaiah Thomas teams that he assembled, which again, <laughs> you want to talk about teams that were the opposite of the secret. I mean, you know, look look, look no further than those those late aughts um, Knicks teams. And then here was this guy, Frank Milikino, who came along and um, and was the opposite of those teams. And to me, it's like, oh, my God, this is what this team has been missing. This is the type of guy who understands that basketball is not about stats. It's about doing the little things to win. And then I thought about this this morning some more, and I saw I caught some shit on Twitter because I said in the postgame last night, like, I'm yeah. not arguing for Frank. And – what I've this really I'm, I know I'm droning on for a bit, but I, I, I'll get to the point now, which is that I think there is an eternal push and pull between making sure you have the requisite talent on your basketball team and guys, mm-hmm. because like we could talk on and on about the secret, right? But if Isaiah yeah. Thomas wasn't able to break down guys off the dribble on those business teams. And if, like, Willis Reed wasn't, you know, if you want to go back to the 70s, Willis Reed wasn't an absolute matchup nightmare for guys. And, like, Clyde couldn't hit a shot. And, like, built, like you need the talent, too. Absolutely. It, it's, and, the, it's not the thing that supersedes talent. It's the thing that makes a difference when uh, bet- uh, between talent and yes. beyond talent. And, and but, like, I mean, I, but here's the thing. Look at, look at uh, despite you know, losing a couple or whatever. This season, not only are we defying expectations, we still have the cheapest roster in the league. Oh, listen, they've, they have this, this, I'm not arguing that this, this, this core doesn't exemplify the secret. I think it does. And I think they have done as good a team building job, which is why I think Rose deserves real, real consideration for executive of the year. 
Um, but, but I guess just like move, you know, cause we're always thinking about what's next and like, th- how do they make sure that they keep what they have mm-hmm. and, and, but also I think la- the last two games were also a reminder that no, this team is not in terms of the talent level. We're not there yet. There is a, there is yeah. a piece you know, and I, does it mean roster turnover? No, it doesn't mean roster turnover. Does it mean does it mean that you know a Frank Villakina can't be a part of of this moving forward? And again, I'm just using him as the example because he's been here and he's such a lightning rod for conversation. Of course not. I think it, it does. He can be here, but I think it, these are real these are real challenges, and it's why it's so hard to mm-hmm. build teams. And it, this is why. But but really. This is why looking back through NBA history, it's like, yeah, the best team wins every year. But like when you look year after year, how many teams do we really feel honestly are good enough talent wise and exemplify this ethereal quality that you're discussing? Exactly. Because it's not that the secret wins championships every year. It's in fact the opposite. It's that the best talented teams often win more than more than often. But, it, but it's the best talented teams who also have occasion. the secret. Yeah, it's a rare occasion when a team like an under under talented Mavericks or an under talented Pistons figure out the secret and use that to go beyond uh, to soup, uh, to outperform a more talented team. That's that's. But I but it, I think you would have to argue that if you really looked at it year after year in the NBA. Like and, and again, it, it does. Some of this come down to like, well, if you have the best player, you're probably going to win the championship. Yeah, yep. a, a yep. lot of times that's the case. But at the same time, like, I, and again, we God, we could do hours on this topic alone. But like, how much of the fact that our, how much of our perception of who the best players in the history of the sport are, <laughs> ultimately comes down to these no, are I guys get- who embraced and understood, the, like what it actually takes. Um, and you know, you look at Tim, I, I just, again, to throw something out there, like Tim Duncan has five championships. Is Tim, mm-hmm. you know, Tim Duncan is going to go down as a top 10 player of all time. Is Tim Duncan one of the 10 most talented NBA players of all time? I, I, I don't know that I feel comfortable saying that, but he, got, not. he got it. I would argue perhaps more than anybody else got it. Um, and exactly. you know, and, and, and look again, Bill, Bill talks about this. This is not something I'm inventing. The opposite of that is a guy like Will Chamberlain. Um, and mm-hmm. again, I, I, you know, how much did he Perfect get example. it or not get it? Just yeah. like the Kobe Mello example, when you're a guy who knows you can do triple digits, how do you buy into something like the secret? It, yeah, it it's, seems it's, it's really you might as well not play if you're, if you're going to try and do something that you're not the best at. So I, I I don't want to keep I don't want to keep up the cue. No, I'll but, say one last thing. Yeah, uh, sure. To tie it back to the, our present day situation, I, I don't want to steer this into our least favorite topic. But watching last night, <laughs> I know where you go. Yeah, watching last night, uh, as I saw that uh, this one person might be the reason that we lose the game. I wasn't concerned about us losing the game. By the way, hashtag Will Ferrell in the weird hat, rocket ship moon, all the way. But, um, but, but I was less concerned about ruining the game. I was more concerned that this might throw off this delicate team chemistry and cohesion we have going. And it made me think maybe this is part of the reason that things 
Tibbs is doing things the way he's doing it, it's not just um, front office, yada, yada. But to, to your point, the team dynamic um, and the team chemistry is not just a, we want to keep certain people happy in the offseason, but it's also a, he's figured out, we have this thing going, everyone is fully understood yeah. their role, and yeah. despite how much we dislike this man, um, he's also been part of of the sacrifice that everyone, which is, I want you to start, but I don't want you to play more than X minutes, and all I want you to do is do this, this, and this. I'm going to pull you if you're not doing them well enough or quick enough, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, and I and and thank you, and really thank you for being this thoughtful and and coming with some some great stuff. I, I appreciate it, um, and I think everybody else does too. Um, you know, I don't I don't mind when I see Elf drive the lane, and let me rephrase that. I do mind it, but I get it when he drives the lane and like you know, takes a shot at the rim and it misses like, and it, it, it gets blocked. And like, that's incredibly frustrating, but at the same time, he's doing the thing that Tibbs is asking him to do. And everybody on the team recognizes this is what our offense is built on. Our offense is built on ball pressure on the rim um, from our point guards. And then from creating matchup advantages using obviously um, Julius Randall um, and having him kick out or whatnot. Um, you know, the only frustrating parts are when you wonder is because, again, Tibbs always talks about rim reads and like is Elf thinking in the back of his head like, yeah, the right the right read might be to kick out. But, man, if I don't put up some stats this year, I may not get another NBA contract. Like, I think the, the things that bother me with him are when I see him making the plays, not just not not executing well like it's one thing to just be bad and not execute well but I think that all factors into what you were talking about before and like the the sum is greater than the the whole or the sum of the parts is greater or no the whole is greater than the sum of the parts there we go um but you just want to consistently see the correct decision and I think just to put a cap on this what's been so nice about this season yes Chris Pittman uh exactly the yin and the yang um what what's been so nice about this season as it's gone along and what has differentiated it at, differentiated it especially from last year but so many years that we've watched over the last two decades is players are making decisions that are the correct decision time after time after time again maybe the one exception to that is occasionally when when rj might you know force some of these looks but again that's the player he's going to be the player he's going to be is a guy who takes tough shots and makes tough shots and we've seen him take tough shots and make tough shots this year he's not doing it as consistently We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thing is, is maybe we like sometimes, but that's part of the growth process and, and part of his growth process and why when when people earlier in the year were like, well, it's shitty that you're you're crapping on Elf and you're defending RJ like they're both taking shots that maybe they shouldn't. The difference again is that one guy has been in the league for seven years and should know what he is by now and should be able to make those correct decisions. Whereas RJ is a second year player. He's 20 years old. He's still figuring out, okay, when do I take this shot? When do I make this pass? Um, When do I put this pressure on? And I'm so eminently more forgiving. Um, And I don't mean to come off harsh on RJ. He's he's been great. I'm just, you know, this is like picking Nick Nits. Um, But yeah, hundred percent. I love all of that. All right, Justin Richards, you've been waiting patiently for a while. Um, thank you, and uh, welcome, welcome to the stage. How you doing, man? Hey, John, how you doing, man? Um, you know, could, could be better. It, the, the, the fourth quarter was a lot yeah, to take, but I, I, the team is okay. blown out in like the second half. It's just, it's not great. I think um, someone put up a stat. I guess like that was the first time the Knicks lost by thirty points in the second half in like four years or five years or something like that. Wow, really? Yeah. I didn't notice that, but okay, I believe it. Yeah, yeah, Um, So, putting that aside, I want to try to be a little bit positive because I feel like we're all thinking – I love it. The title of this is The Sky is Falling. Um, so, the Sky is not falling. <laughs> it is not falling. That's why I named the thing what I did. The Sky is not falling. Yeah. So, positives, what I think. Um, I thought Obi played great. I don't know if you – I saw your post we, yesterday. Can yeah. we talk about Obi? Because I actually was thinking about this, and as I often do think about my post games in the shower the next morning um, – I was, I was so, I was so busy, like harping on whatever the hell I was harping on. I did not spend the requisite amount of time talking about what a wonderful performance that was from Obi Toppin. Yeah, um, exactly. And he was my, great. Yeah. So my question, I guess, for the, for the now and the future, because we talked about this a little bit yesterday or last week about, um, you know, how's his role in the team. And so we, we kind of know Tibbs likes to have a nominal five, right? And we know we're going to have, we're going to be in the – at least we're going to play a 73rd game. My question is, do you think Tibbs is going to unveil the Obi at the five in the postseason against a certain matchup? So I don't think if it's Atlanta, he'll do that. Hell is on the court. But if we do face a team like Boston – and I, I, Tristan Thompson does uh, scare me a little bit with his offensive rebounding, but that team is small. And me personally, I think that team is soft. Like, you, you can't lose by 20 points when you need a win in Chicago, and Kobe White was the reason why you lost. If and and had 45, yeah. shake your hand. But no, it, it, and it's, but it's so funny. It's so funny, that Celtics team, because specifically in the context of what you're bringing up, the, the situation that you would put Obi in would be when they have, like, Grant Williams at the five, um, I get they're not playing semi at, at the at the five, I guess. So it's it's mostly it's mostly just Grant Williams, right? As yeah. a as their backup five, who oh. he is he's the opposite of soft, <laughs> you know. But 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 mentally they're soft. But it creates this interesting dichotomy with like, should Obi Toppin be able to survive for five to eight minutes a game against Grant Williams? Like he should, right? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but it's a. But at the same time, 
it's tough because like you're that's a he's a man he's a big boy he's not tall but he's you know, stout he is he's stout as they as they would as they would say um I. I would be up for it. I would be up for it, honestly. Even if um, if the, the the Hawks are going Collins as the the backup five, I would I would be up for that. Um, I'm trying to think. The Heat. Um, who is? Oh my God! Who is the Heat's backup center? When I, was, I don't even know. I, is it Ariza? Do they play Ariza at the five? I don't no, know. They, they haven't been doing that. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up right now. If somebody has a good, I, and it's funny because I've been watching a decent amount of Miami, and I can't. I'm like blanking on who they put in the game. Um, when oh Deadman, yeah. thank you, Eshwin. Yes, three. I okay. So I turned. I was watching the Heat the other night. And they, and I heard the announcer say Dwayne Devin's name. I'm like Dwayne Devin's on the Heat, and I'll I'll be completely honest with you. I had completely forgotten that that was a thing. Um, yeah, they spelled his name. They probably forgot he was on the Heat <laughs> on his jersey like, a couple days ago. They had his name misspelled. I didn't, I didn't see that. That's great. Um, oh yeah, Precious. Of course. How could I forget? How could I forget um, Precious too? But like either even those guys, um, I'd be comfortable with it. I think the bigger question is whether Tibbs would be comfortable with it. And what's the trade-off? What are you getting? You're getting, theoretically, right, you're doing it for offense. Yes. But but then you turn around and you look at the offensive numbers that these bench units are putting up, and it's a fair question to ask, do they need that? Um, which is why, ultimately, I don't know that he's going to go that way. I think the better question is, Moving forward, um, you know, is this something that is this something that as organizationally they make the decision as they're making decisions this summer? We need to we like we we believe in Obi Toppin enough to the point that we are going to build this roster out to make sure he gets 20 minutes a game to 22 minutes or whatever it is. Um, and to that point, I I, I think you. I, I would do that myself. I, I love what we've seen from him. Yeah, I, I think for me, why I think it would make some sense this postseason would be, we've already seen this team gets into significant offensive ruts, like five, yeah. six, seven minutes where they just can't buy a basket. And a lot of the times it's because, like, there are moments where we have three guys who can't score and the team is doubling Julius, and there's no outlet, essentially. Yep. Now, that's yep. not all of, you know, I'm not putting this on Noel or Taj. They've been great. Um, and I'm not putting this all on Peyton, even though 90% of it's probably no, but, no, but when but when teams bear down and defend in the second half, which, again, you're talking about playoff defense, you're talking about teams playing that caliber of defense for 48 minutes. Yeah, so, and, and so you this have, is a real concern. Yeah, so you have to be able to be – you have to be able to, in my opinion – maximize the amount of offenses you could put out there without having these dramatic slumps. And to me, we've seen this now for 60 games, right? Yep. While I don't think Obi is a great defender, he's not piss poor. This idea that he was like coming into draft, he can't guard a snow cone. No, I, so, I, don't, I, I don't think, I think we could go a step further than that. I think actually what he's shown defensively, and I, uh, I agree with Jonas about keeping Taj in the rotation to me, at this point, it's it's more Noel being like no, I almost look at Noel as like matchup specific because his rim protection is so valuable. 
but it, when you're well, to your point, um, Joshua, what you're losing on offense with Noel is really it's 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 it, it stands out on some nights. And I, I but again, I I don't know where the easy. But, but oh, sorry, I got sidetracked. What I was going to say with with Top, and I think the concern is not being able to to just pull down defensive rebounds and getting bodied on the boards, which goes back to your original point of it's matchup specific. Um, but I think he could defend. I think he could defend. Absolutely, I think he could defend. Yeah, and I think it's the fact that like he him being able to be switched out, and again, like I don't know how much Tibbs loves the switching necessarily, but like that to me gave me at least a little bit more belief that like okay, like you're gonna have to really earn your points. You're not gonna just do a Kevin Knox. I do a pump fake. I'm at the rim. You know, like you can actually. Yep move your feet well enough and at least have a hard contest. And look, if you go against Chris Paul, he makes a shot, he makes a shot. But I feel more comfortable of that being like the way we, we actually like round out our playoff rotation. But that was, that was all I had. I, you know, it, it, look, it's worth, I think it's worth a look. I think I agree that Taj should not be out of the rotation. I, I will, I think Taj giving you 20 to 20 to 25 minutes a night, is valuable and to, to, um, uh, yeah. So Kasim just uh, mentioned it. Uh, Taj had a quick rim drive last night. Like we get so caught up when we're talking about centers, especially about like, is this guy, um, and, and thanks for, for, um, coming up, uh, Justin. Um, I think I called you Joshua before. I apologize. Um, I think we get so caught up in like, okay, here's a center. Um, can he hit threes? No. Um, is he a vertical threat? No. Okay, well, then he's useless on offense. And I think Taj is the living, breathing example of why that's not the case because he can do stuff like real stuff on offense that, um, you know, and obviously his screen setting and all that stuff is like, it's great. Um, Noel, like to me, the way this goes in a perfect world is probably Taj for 20 to tw- about 20 to 25 minutes a night. And then Noel for maybe like I don't know eighteen to twenty, and then you're 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 putting Obi in spot spot minutes at, at the five for like five to eight minutes a game. Um, I don't think Tibbs is going to do it, um, but I do think I mean does does he pull it out? See, here's the thing. Let me I'll say this. I think if he pulls it out, I think he's going to pull it out with Randall on the court at the same time, um, because. I think that's where you're really getting an offensive ceiling. Like if you're talking about you're doing this to combat a rut, I think the way to do it is to have both of those guys on the floor at the same time. Um, I, if a reminder, um, anybody wants to speak, just uh, make speaker request and I will call you up. Um, I will hit on some of these questions in the chat. Um, so let me scroll up here. Um, Chris Pittman asks, uh, oh, sorry, actually, Eshwin, Noel worries me against the Hawks because of the pick and roll. Absolutely. Like, Noel's rim defense, wonderful, love it, awesome when he's contesting these shots against, um, you know, driving guards and wings and this and that. Against Capella, it might as well be me or you out there because Noel is is not the pick and roll defender for the Trey Young, Clint Capella um, situation that we may see against the Hawks. Um, Chris Pittman. So should we um, should we re-sign? Where did I go? I lost it. Um, 
should we re-sign Noel for his defensive prowess? Is he a, li- he is a liability on offense? I've kind of already said my piece in, I think, the newsletter last week, which is that I would be surprised at this point if Noel was back, because if Noel's back, I think, oh, there's Joshua. See, I got, I got, um, I got Justin and Joshua confused. Uh, Joshua, I'm going to call you up in one sec. Um, I think Mitch, if, unless you're trading Mitch in a, in a package for a real, a real guy, a real name, um, and you're, if you're keeping Mitch next year, I have trouble seeing how it makes sense financially for you to keep Mitch next year, regardless of if you're keeping him on the 1.8 or if you're ripping up that contract and giving him a new contract now or you're extending him past the 1.8. I have trouble seeing how it makes sense financially for you to have Mitch and Noel and Taj, and we just talked about the possibility that you're going to need to start playing Obi more at the five. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, 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 at the number that it looks like someone will probably give Noel, I, I just, it's feeling like a little bit too, too rich for my blood. Um, Zeke Smith asked if, um, Mitchell Robinson is officially done for the year. Um, I don't think anything is official. Um, but I personally would be surprised if we saw, um, Mitch again this season, just call it a gut feeling. Um, and then uh, Steven, uh, to rank our ideal postseason outcomes, Knicks Hawks, Knicks Celtics, Knicks Heat, seventh seed. Um, there is a part of me that would rather play the Bucks than the Heat. And I know that sounds insane, um, but there is a part of me. Um, and then the spot minutes with Randall at, or uh, Kasim asks with Obi or Randall at the five. I, again, I think it's both of them. I don't, I mean, it doesn't, I don't care who you say is the five. I think it's, I think the spot minutes are with, Obi and Randall on the court at the same time. Oh, and Pell. I forgot about Pell. Um, yeah, I think and Pell's going to be back. And I think Pell, I think, uh, I think Pell's, Pell's good. Okay. Uh, let me get Joshua up here. What's going on, Joshua? How you doing, man? Uh, thanks for bringing me up, John. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I still have two sure, points, course, uh, yeah. mainly about playoffs. And uh, I think even like Stephen was saying, like the playoff ideal matchups. Personally, uh, in my opinion, I don't think it should be about like having the most favorable favorable matchup, say like playing the Hawks. I I don't know why people are, like really like shying away from the Heat. I think what going into the the postseason, we should really be looking at a team that's really going to test us, so we really know what our team is made of and what our players are going to do when we're kind of like against the wall. Because like I feel like if we even if we play the Hawks, we might still go into there with like a a mindset of we're better than this team and we don't perform to the best of our strengths, but if we go into a Heat series, we have to play up to them or, you know, up to their level because, you know, they're, they went to the finals last year. And also for, you know, the OB question, I don't think he's going to be in the rotation come playoff time. I think that, you know, Tibbs would rather, you know, mess around with, like, RJ at the four and then have, like, IQ or Burks play some more starting minutes and then, you know, kind of mess around with that rotation, like a, a nine-man rotation in that way. So – Here's the thing, and I've, I've, again, I have spent a good deal of time thinking about this. With the Obi point first, um, if he's out of the rotation, then who takes his place? Um, I think there is a better chance that I'm going to see you suit up for the Knicks than Kevin Knox playing a minute of meaningful basketball in the postseason. Um, can, we, can we agree on that? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. like... RJ kind of slid down and played the back. So that's the other one, right? Is RJ at the four. And 
I, I just, I'm not sure where, where the matchup is that, 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 that Tibbs feels comfortable going with that. And like, I, because we've seen, um, RJ, like, I think long-term him being able to defend fours here and there is a, is a real thing. Um, but I don't think it's that big of I really actually, honestly, I, I would almost argue that it's not an advantage at, at this point on, on offense too, too much because yes, yeah, sometimes he tries to take these big guys off the dribble and he could speed by for these, you know, for these like, you know, runners off the top of the glass and he's like better with those. But I don't know. I feel more comfortable with RJ when he's dealing with little guys at this point. Um, yeah, Dave, thank you, Fuddy. Um, but watching him try to guard uh, Aaron Gordon was was difficult. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't really see it. Um, which is, and again, we're talking about essentially eight minutes a game. If you're assuming that Randall's going to play forty minutes a night in the playoffs, I think he trusts Obi Toppin for eight minutes a game, especially if it's six minutes in the first half and two minutes in the second half or, you know, whereabouts, whatever, seven minutes in the first half, you know, three minutes in the second half, something like that. Um, to the playoff uh, question, I just, I'm, I'm actually thinking back to whoever typed in the, in the chat about, you know, ideal playoff matchups and whatnot. Um, I almost wonder if they wouldn't rather play the Celtics than the Hawks. And like, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving this Atlanta team a little bit too much credit, but like watching them, Capella is such a problem. <laughs> He's so tough. He's so good. You really can't stop. Like, there's really no easy way to stop the Trey Young, Clint Capella pick and roll. Um, and then when you factor in Bogdanovich, like they've really started to lean on him for more playmaking. Um, the shooting that they have, like between Herder and I know Herder, you could you could kind of take you could get Herder on the defensive end. Um, you know, Gallo's shooting. If they get Hunter back, Hunter to me is the is the real swing piece because Hunter was their second best player for the first whatever month of the season, six weeks of the season that he was in there. Um, so if they get the Andre Hunter back, I would actually almost argue that it's better. And and to the point that was made previously about the Celtics just kind of being soft this year. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I doubt it's going to be um, Knicks Celtics. I think the, the far more likely scenario is either Knicks Hawks or, or Knicks Heat um, or, or Knicks Bucks. Um, I, so, because again, the Celtics lost last night, so it's hard to envision them getting the four five, but I mean, you know, it is what it is in terms of like the mentality question that you raised. Like, I, I don't, I, I guess what I don't, I'm not worried about their mentality in the playoffs. I think we're going to – I think Tibbs, especially with guys like Taj and Rose here who have been through the battles, I don't think this team is going to have a problem getting up for the playoffs regardless of who they play. I think they're going to be ready to go, and I think Tibbs has talked – he actually has talked about this in the pre – he talked about this in the preseason where he was like, there's preseason intensity, there's regular season intensity, and then there's playoff intensity, and he – even back then, I think, you know, spoke about how, like, the whole point is for you to be ready to give postseason intensity by the time the postseason runs around, rolls around. So I think he's the right coach for this to get the team ready for the postseason. I think his his postseason experience in Chicago um, backs up that, that his teams are ready to play in the postseason. And I'm, you know, 
I'm excited to see. I, I, whenever we play, I'm going to be excited to see the matchup. Like they may not, they may not win. They probably won't win, but I'll be excited to see the matchup. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I hope that. I hope. Any any other thoughts before I let you go? Um, I think like for the playoffs, I, I just feel like personally, it shouldn't be about like us getting to the, the next round. Mainly just playing like playing against good competition. I mean, the Hawks are really good, but I feel like. If we somehow lose to them, I feel like that would really kind of sour our season compared to like a loss against like the Celtics or uh, even like the, I, the Heat. I I, like, I I don't know about like honestly, this this Hawks team is they're really talented. They're and they've been this has now been two and a half months where they're I'll look it up right now, but I I want to say that over the since like the end since since um. Pierce got fired, um, which I don't know if anybody has the exact date handy, but like I want to say, um, since the beginning of February, they're like eighth or ninth in the league in, in net rating. I'll look it up right now. They're a good team. I I, I I may look. Maybe I'll think differently when when we actually play them. Um, but if we lost to the Hawks in like a tough, well played seven game series, I'm not sure I would be apoplectic about that. Um, yeah. Since so sorry since. February, since February 1st, the Hawks are, or sorry, since February 6th, they're the 11th best team in the league by net rating. That's pretty good. Um, so, yeah. Um, anyway, um, I I hope they win. I think they could win. I don't think they'll lose to the Hawks. I think they would beat the Hawks. But I would, um, I, I don't think it would be like, I don't know, losing to, I'm trying, I don't even I don't even know. Like there's a lot of good teams in the East. <laughs> I really know how to say it. There's a lot of good teams in the East. Um, all right. Um, I'm gonna finish up a little bit early for this one. So um, as we as I customarily do, I am going to invite the one and only David Futternick um, up to the spa- stage. Um, we'll see if he he's willing to grace us with his presence. Funny, are you are you? Are you are you up for a quick finishing hello. touch? Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good. I just wanted to hear your voice. That's really all this is about. <laughs> good to hear your voice too. Um, you, you are you are the soothing voice of, of Nick's fans, so Um I don't know how soothing my voice is. Um it's I don't know. I'm actually feel like I'm like, I'm losing my voice if I'm if I'm being honest. I think I I felt like it last night after the game. Um, I, I didn't even do any yelling during the game; just some aggressive clapping. That's really it. Oh, I was just like, sit, like uh, my my wife had a friend over, and uh, I was just sitting on the balcony watching it on the laptop, like a sad dog that like got forced <laughs> to sit out in the backyard. <laughs> just like my, you my can't head, even my, my head in my yeah. hands. Just like that fourth quarter was just so brutal. <laughs> um. I actually really I want to go back and, and rewatch it because I'm a masochist. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna have time because um, I'm doing uh, some some family. I'm at my my mom has a place in Manhattan, so we're here right now. Cause, and then I'm gonna record the podcast with Jeremy right after I finish up here, and then it's it's basically Mother's Mother's Day extravaganza for the next uh, whatever 36 hours between my mom, my wife, and and my mother-in-law. So. Yes, yes, yes. Well, yeah. big we'll ups to the moms. Big ups to moms for putting up with uh, all this bullshit. 
<laughs> Steven Strauss says Tibbs is my mother. Hold on, we have one more request. I'm going to bring up uh, Chris Belinsky up here, and he'll he'll help us finish off. Chris, what's going on, my man? Oh my God, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, very good. Uh, looking at babies uh, post surgery here in uh, Merced County, California. I was about to ask how you feeling, bud. Ah, uh, very good. Okay. Uh, I'm in such good care here. I have to say, Stanford, oh my God. Amazing okay. hospital. There you go. Stanford is. Um, what's up with Mitch? Because DeAndre Ayton doesn't play like that if Mitch is here. Um, I think Mitch may have been the difference in that game. Is that too crazy to say about a game that we lost by 20 something points? DeAndre Ayton played like he knew Mitch wasn't there. Um, and it's funny because last, I think. Am I recalling this correctly? I, yeah, no, I think I am recalling this correctly. Well, I covered one of the Suns. The, uh, yeah, I covered when the Suns came to MSG last season. Um, and DeAndre, I don't want to say DeAndre had his way with Mitch. He didn't, but he definitely got his, you know, he, he had some success. And I've never, I don't think I ever saw Robinson as annoyed after a game as he was, because I think he knew he didn't do as good a job on Aiden. And again, I'm talking about last year, obviously. Um, because don't forget, those two guys came up together in the same class, and Aiden ended up being the first pick, and Mitch, you know, fell to the second yeah, round. Mitch. Right? Yeah, and I think it still gets under Mitch's, because Mitch, I'm not revealing anything, Mitch feels like he's every bit as good as those other big bigs in that class. I, I, I think that as I think that as well. Yeah, and, and honestly, like, you know, during like if you give me the best we've seen from Mitchell Robinson over the course of his career versus the best we've seen from DeAndre Ayton over the course of his career, I think Ayton still probably has the edge. But like, it ain't much. It ain't close. Or, or, or sorry, it is close. Um, yeah, I think Mitch makes all the difference in that game, which is why for and again, this will be a good place to kind of tie things up uh, for today. For as much as we love what Noel has done and for as great as Noel has been and, and the, the blocks giving the team energy and all of that stuff, um, based on what his ceiling is, based on what he's done, and I also think based on the fact that they have a lot of flexibility with this contract, um, and I, 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 hate, I hate to say it, but I think this broke it, this foot issue may wind up being a help, not a hindrance, as far as their ability to negotiate a long-term deal with him moving forward. Um, and that's fucked up to say, but I'm just being real. Um, and I think he, we, I want to see Mitch here long-term. I don't want to see them use him as part of a trade. Like, if you're telling me we're getting Damian Lillard and, like, Mitchell Robinson has to go, like, all right, that's one thing, but um I, I i think they i think they still love mitch i still think they're high on mitch and i i know i said it in here like a month ago based on what what i heard about what you know west has planned for for mitch this summer in terms of whether it's garnett or bringing somebody else in to work with him i still think they're high on him and i think he makes a difference in that game so i hate um, i hate to be a conspiracy guy with something but you know pre-covid uh mitch goes away and mitch goes into hiding and then comes back and he's got some like amazing foot like six weeks later but now we have covid and he can't do that <laughs> yeah no i uh, it's I, I look i hope we see him this year i wouldn't put anything past anybody but like i just i don't know they're and, they're gonna be so cautious that they just are 
one last thing. Uh, I I didn't hear. I haven't heard Luca. What was the? What was oh the yeah, he, for him? he's not. He's not. Um, he's not going to play for the team this year. I, I uh, Tibbs made it. You could tell Tibbs like he didn't want to like deal with a situation where there was like the one percent chance of like him playing, and then he has to basically you know he comes out looking like he's lying, but Tibbs all but he said, he said, it's a summer thing. He said, we're going to use the off season to evaluate him. You know, he said, he, you know, he's, he all but said, we will not see Luca Bledoza this season. So, um, and, and if for anybody who missed, um, Berman had a snippet in his report yesterday saying that the guarantee date, on Vildoza's contract for next year is apparently like the day before the regular season starts. So they are going to get every minute possible before they have to make the decision on whether or not they want him to be um, taking up cap space on the team um, next year, which is, um, you know, which is, which is good, which is, which, which is good. I actually, I also agree with you. I would bet a million dollars that if he was starting for the starting rotation, he'd be better than Peyton. But then again, I would say the same thing about most of us in here. Um, so, Chris, continue healing up. Thank you for, for coming to the stage. Um, I appreciate having you. Um, funny, um, any wise words before I close this out? Be kind to your mother. Because, <laughs> because everyone, hey, everyone in this room, yeah. Yeah. either – had a mother or has a mother, and they had to put up with some garbage from all of us. So, well, um, give it up I to will, moms out there. I don't know what the appropriate thing to say is to you on this Mother's Day. I know this is probably <laughs> going to be a tough one for you, but uh, yes, you're yes, yes. you're you're in my heart. You're in all of our hearts, and uh, you know we love you, buddy. Okay, appreciate that. Appreciate that. And yeah, shout out to all the Knicks fans who who may be dealing with not having their moms anymore, and. Uh, and if you do, hug them tight. Hug them tight. I'm going to go give mine a hug actually literally right now. So, um, Love it. On that note, uh, thanks, everybody, for, for coming and hanging out. Um, and uh, I will – so uh, tomorrow, post game, we're going to have it. Do the locker room again next Saturday. And uh, I will see everybody and talk to everybody when I see you and talk to you. Adios. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.